Oh, hey, hey, hey there, everybody. Welcome to, uh, <laughs> uh, welcome to episode 69 of Stacked. That's right. Nice. So, um, that should just be our so description for that number. We've been waiting so long for this number, and, uh, we thought as a little special treat, um, you know, we thought we'd, we thought we'd do this episode, uh, the naked, this is gonna be the naked episode, so, boys, why don't we, uh, get the, get these dang, get these dang clothes off. Ooh, <sighs> Ooh okay. I still can't Ooh, believe you talked us into this earlier. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, it's for, it's for the episode, it's a very special episode, um, Brandon, looking good as always. Um, <laughs> Brandon, Brandon has work uh, after this episode, so he had to take out his little Boy Scout uniform, and I don't know how wow, I feel he's, about he's that. Kink, he's kind of kinky like that. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, we're all we're all there. Um, it's a little cold in here now. Oh God. Okay, but you know, I'm just gonna keep doing the episode. Um, oh wow. Chris. Okay, never mind. Um, looking good, dude. Uh, hey, dude, the stereotype yeah. is not true. I'm, See, I'm I, living. I'm living proof. Yeah, I, and I can see that. That's hey, that, that's good for you. Good for you. Sorry, I'm a little nervous. I'm sorry. Um, okay. <laughs> body, body positivity. Yeah, this is a body positivity yeah, I call episode. Po body positivity. My boys are looking great. Wow, this is this is gonna be a good episode. Um, all right, so yeah, welcome back to Stacked, everyone. Um, it's the last. We're recording this literally on New Year's Eve, so it's the last day of the year for us. It's gonna be the second of. It's gonna be the second day of the year for when everyone listens to this. And as always, not as always. We've only done this once, um, but it will be as always. We're gonna run down. Uh, our favorite films of the year are stacks of the most quintessential films of 2021. Our favorite films, what we thought represented this year the best. Um, and yeah, guys, was this was this a hard stack to choose from? I feel like I feel like 2020 was a little easier, you know, a, more slim pickings, you know. Yeah. But um, we finally now that movie theaters are open. They got open this year. We actually got to see more films. I saw 20 more films than I did last year. Um, <laughs> Brand's like, child. Well, that's because he saw Sundance films. It's not fair. Um, no, it is. I saw more it, than just Sundance films. You know. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Um, but Brandon, Chris, how... Brandon didn't see any movies other than what he saw. He just closed his eyes <laughs> the rest of the year. <laughs> uh, I've seen what I need to see. I, I, I've seen it all. Um Chris, what was it like for you to construct the stack? Because I'm actually, I'm the most curious what Chris's stack is going to be because he's the only one who doesn't have a 2021 ranked list on Letterboxd. So usually <laughs> I, I occasionally check in on Brandon what his list looks like and sort of like try to right. get an idea what his stack's going to be. But Chris, I don't know anything what you're going to choose. So Right. Yeah, for, well, for me, it was, it, um, I mean, I don't think it's any secret that of the three I've seen the least. Um, but for me, when I approached making the stack, I didn't really think of it as a making out making a list of movies that i of the ones i liked the most this year mm -hmm. my goal with it was more of picking out the films that are most worthy of celebration this year for what they achieved in their artistry or what have you or what they did i don't know right. um so yeah i tried to like pick out the movies that i thought like promoted like what i believe to be the things that i am grateful to see in movie theaters this year 
Um, and of course, I think all of us um, would agree that like there, this has been a pretty interesting year with movies. There's been a lot of variety, um, at least in what I saw. And of course, there were also because of that, there was also a lot of blind spots in terms of what I didn't get to see. Um, so like certain movies that I have suspicions would have either made this list for me or um, been relatively high up on my list. I didn't even see, like, for example, I did not see Drive My Car and Last Duel this year, um, which I I heard are amazing. And I feel like especially Drive My Car, I would really like, but I don't know. Um, and there are other films like House of Gucci or uh, <laughs> The Humans that I'm like, <laughs> I maybe could have gone see them, but yeah, I didn't really want to. So um yeah i don't know and like french dispatch i didn't even see so like there's little like areas where i didn't see things but i'm pretty happy with what i came out with there this was a pretty cool year um yeah there was a little bit of everything for this year i feel like yeah brandon i think it was sort of difficult because you're dealing with a lot of different films this year i feel like we've gotten our like quite a bit of variety like I, uh, versus last year where I felt like it was like uh, every movie was pretty much like a safe pick. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I think this year, while it isn't the best year for movies, like I feel like 2019, 2017, like those were like top tier years where it was like, it seemed like 75% of the movies that came out were pretty good. Like this year, I would say like 50 or 50%, which is still mm -hmm. a good, like, but like, for me, it's like it's still a down year for movies, but it's still hard because we can only pick three. Yeah, only three movies. Only three. Bro. Which is still yeah, which is still a very small amount to credit yeah. the best of the year. Even like, like I even in, did my top even in 10, a bad year, you usually have at least ten that you like. Yeah, like, right, recently exactly. enough that you'd be like, oh yeah, let's share this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh yeah, for me it was like I wanted to I wanted to put these films more in like a twenty twenty uh one mindset. So I felt like these these films spoke to me on uh, a real deep level that resonated with what I was going through in 2021. A uh, lot of big a lot of big changes for us this year. A lot of interesting things that happened. Um, a lot of cool things. So I've wanted to, I wanted to reflect that through the films that I chose. You know, I didn't choose like I didn't choose like just my three top favorites. You know. Uh, I wanted to get some variety in there, and I think it's going to make for a really, really fun episode. I, I'm so excited to see what you guys pick. Um, so without further ado, let's start our picks, but of course, let's run over the rules of the show. Once a week, we set a topic or theme and go our separate ways to construct our own three-film stack. Then after a week, we come back here on the podcast and share our own stacks one film at a time. Then at the end of the show, we will mix and match our nine films make the ultimate decision on what quintessential three-film stack we are checking out this hypothetical video store. Chris, you are up oh. first with your All first right. 2021 pick. All right. Well, this movie, I swear, like, nobody but me saw this movie. Cop shit. Including Oops. you guys. <laughs> you guys didn't even see this movie. Really? Um, yeah, because you guys are fucking racist. I'm kidding. What? Um, oh, no. I know what movie this is. You probably is. know what this is. Yeah, uh, it's actually one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, directed by Justin Chan of Twilight fame. It's Blue Bayou. Mm -hmm. oh yeah i didn't yeah. see this movie because i'm racist this movie so. slipped under 
this movie slipped under a lot of people's radar. I think the marketing of this movie was so small. Like, I think all their budget went towards production, and whatever marketing was thrown their way was probably just from whichever studio distributed it. I don't think they invested very much money in, in marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, which I honestly think is kind of a shame, because this is a really good movie. I, I honestly was very surprised by this. Um, I saw this in a double feature with um, Card Counter. Uh, so okay. this was first. So this set, <laughs> this set the bar high for me. Um, yeah. So, okay, but we're not here to talk about Card Counter, because that movie's boring as shit. Um, let's, go, let's go to Blue Bayou. So Blue Bayou tells the story of Antonio, a Korean-American man raised in, Louisiana, in the Louisiana Bayou. Um, and he has to confront the ghosts of his past and faces as he faces deportation from the only country he's ever called home, which is the U.S. Um, obviously, right from its very concept, you know that this is a very socio-politically resonant movie for a lot of people, uh, particularly for people within the first and second generation Asian immigrant families. And this movie, what it does is that it, it paints this portrait of this very painful thing that a lot of families do have to go through, even to this day. Um, it's a very well-articulated condemnation of racism and authority figures and agencies such as ICE. Um, but it's also something of a eulogy for the American dream, which I think is something that a lot of immigrant families eventually do have to learn on their own. Because, you know, I feel like, I mean, me even, like I came to the U.S. like with that whole like, oh, Hollywood, you know, like it's going to be great. Blah, blah, blah. And then shit, man. I'm like, <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, it's 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 very emotionally driven. It's very powerful, um, especially at the end. It hits all the right notes to make you like kind of well like swell up a little bit. You know, um, it's gritty. Shot in 16, 16 and thirty five millimeter film, so it's real. It's got that real. Uh, I don't know, like that real, like grimy texture to it that really feels human. Um, performance are, performances are fantastic. Um, I guess my one critique of it is that it is pretty on the nose. You know, like there's not much subtly beneath it because you know all of the stuff is kind of laid out straight up for you you know um but when i feel when i feel but i feel like i can kind of get around that because when approaching such a volatile topic like this subtlety isn't exactly my primary focus i'm really interested in getting to the meat of things you know with this kind of stuff um yeah anyways one of the most slept on movies of the year in my opinion uh Check it out when you guys get a chance, guys. Like, Justin Chan, young and un- unproven director, but I think this is a great start for the guy. Yeah, I, um... <clears throat> okay, sorry, I before I continue, if it looked like I was laughing, um, I gotta you break know, some... Fine. I gotta break some news. Betty White oh. died. <laughs> Betty Wait, White... Shit, really? Betty White just died. <laughs> Alright, hold, 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 hold on. Pause the Hold on. Oh fuck <laughs> me, man! This is crazy. She was, and her hundred birthday was like a, just like two days away or something. Damn. No, I thought it was on New Year's. It's on January seventeenth. Is her? Birthday. Oh, so, like, that's close. That's like less so than close. And she died today, on All the right. last oh, day of twenty twenty one. That's just so crazy. Finally, I'm just kidding. No. Oh. <laughs> Oh, this is oh. like when Kirk Douglas died all over again. <laughs> I okay. I, the only reason why I find this funny is because they've just been hyping up when when I've been going to the AMC theaters. They've been being like, 
buy tickets to celebrate Betty White's 100th birthday. And like, there's like this big event for Betty White's 100th birthday. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But, but looks like she's yeah. not going to be attending it. Sorry, Betty White's. Anyways, Blue Bite. Anyways, Blue Bite. Okay, <laughs> this, this movie looks so cool. I remember wanting to see it. The trailers were really good. It looked like a very intense film. Um, I love the backdrop that it had of like sort of this rural American backdrop. Cause you don't really see that with these types of films, you know, mm-hmm. um, this sort of setting. So it was a unique setting and I feel like it was telling a unique story, but like it only played in theaters for like a week, like a week. Yeah. A it week disappeared. So quickly. I remember you saw it. You're like, guys, you got to go check out blue bio. I was like, all right, I'm going to go check it out. And then it just stopped playing. Yeah. I was like, what? Okay, fine. So yeah, I'm, and I'm definitely going to check for this us. out. Because we're, yeah. like, always there, dude. We're, we're like, always we're always there. on top of it. But, like, this one was so quick, in and out. And we're just like, oh, okay, guess not. Guess I'm not going to see in theaters. So, I think, yeah. I think it was a victim to, like, the 2021, like, return to the movies. Because didn't it come out, like, It was early relatively early summer, in, in, the, in the cycle of the yeah. theater going. I feel it was summer, right? Yeah, like, maybe just towards the end of summer-ish. Yeah. Somewhere like and that. that was, like, the time when I think... Like, everybody was just getting back to the movies and stuff, and maybe that there was limited capacities and limited amounts of movies that they could show. Because I remember, at least at the AMC we go to all the time, um, they had limited amounts of movies. Like, they would they would show, like, classics off uh, in on some screen, but they didn't use every screen. They used, like, only, like, 15 of the screens or whatever. Um, yeah. So, Crazy. Yeah uh that's probably why we didn't see it but it does look interesting i thought the trailer was really well done but i can't speak to the movie <laughs> yeah but it looks good yeah all right american Brandon, tale a, yeah. a good old american tale brand you want to take us to your first film uh yes uh i'm gonna pick my favorite movie of the year first i'm oh, gonna go with mass mass okay because you know we've both of us haven't seen it yeah yes yeah. yes this was another one just like blue bayou in and out, I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't. I I think I was out of town when it came out, and I was like, "All right, I'll see it when I'm back in town." And then I came back, gone. I was like, "What?" Well, so I saw this at Matt. Sundance. You saw it. So, so see all of his movies. Saw him at Sundance. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody so tell us jealous. About I'm not uh, jealous. Uh, <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's a. Uh, just like you know those uh, play type movies where. You know, it's just four people, five people sitting in a room talking. That's what this is. And to me, it spoke to me so much, uh, especially during this year where I feel like I went through a, a minor terrifying event in my life. Um, and it's, it's a film where the parents of a shooter uh, speak to the parents of the victim. And both are trying to gain closure at this small church in like the middle of like rural America and they're trying to figure out why people like shoot other people and somebody might say oh well it's like preachy and like it's like all about like gun control and stuff like that but I don't think that's necessarily the case like I feel like a part of it's about the grieving process and like the ability for human beings to sort of find each other in places and then it's also about like not blaming everyone for the mistakes that somebody else makes 
there it's it's a very heart-wrenching movie like each of the four actors really give it their all and it sucks that like only like one of them might get an oscar nomination and that's like might because the film is like remarkable in what it's able to accomplish with such a small budget and small location because the script carries it the performance carries it and it is really one of the most powerful movies of the year like definitely very sobering not necessarily the crowd pleaser that people are going to look for when they vote for their awards at the end of the year but for me i as soon as i saw it i'm like it's going to be tough for a movie to top this all year and so far nothing has so it's max hey you got one more day baby I actually today. I can't. I got work at two, bro. I don't. You can still sneak it on your phone, man. You can still watch one more really good movie. <laughs> me, and, me and Dispatch at my ride. Oh yes, yeah. good movie. Oh yeah, this is five out oh, of five. Yeah, send, them. <laughs> send them. They all. They're not even buckled in yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, I love these kinds of films too. You know, I'm talking like Twelve Angry Men. I'm talking like certain sequences of John Carpenter's The Thing, where it's just people in a room, going at it. Uh, Loose is also somewhat like this, you know? Um, all great movies. And this does deal with a very uh, topical and sensitive topic um, that I'm glad hasn't been uh, don't-look-up-ized, I would say, you know? <laughs> Dark comedy about mass shooting. Yeah, um... Yeah, I, I'm so I'm just like Blue Bayou. I'm so bummed I missed this one. I really wanted to see it, and I don't think I ever will because of it. Now, no, I'm just kidding. I'm definitely gonna watch it soon. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Yep. If I don't see it in theaters, I'm not gonna watch it. No. Uh, <sighs> it, it is what it is. No. Uh, stop I, rubbing your nipples when you say that, Ethan. Stop. Sorry, I'm making a big mark on my belly as I run a circle around it. Um. God. <laughs> Uh, it's so fucked up. Sorry. Do you want me to put a shirt back on? Is it making you no, uncomfortable? No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Are you sure? Yeah, I, I see it every day. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll stay naked. That's fine. Uh, so yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just, I want to see this movie. Chris, what have you heard about Mass? Literally not a thing. I didn't, I, until Brandon spoke, I didn't even know it was about, um, like, it was what its subject was. All I knew was its title. And that was at Sundance, and that was it. Um, yeah, I mean, like these kinds of like intimate, like like uh, like you said, like dramas of char- like that simply distilled into characters in a room, is really like something special. It's very hard to pull off. I feel like you have to be a very talented director in order to make just simply characters in a room talking really interesting, especially to sustain that for long periods of time over a feature. Mm-hmm. That's very difficult, in my opinion. I, I honestly think, like, of all of the things a director can do, that might be one of the hardest things to execute. Like, which is surprising because it's actually kind it seems kind of simple. Um, and yeah, like Ethan said, like, a movie like 12 Angry Men is a great example of that, of how you can create drama just from dialogue and inflections in, like, the characters' voices and the way that you control the scene and edit around it and stuff like that. The director um, is actually an actor. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, you might recognize him for his role as the stoner in Cabin in the Woods. What? No way. Yeah. (laughs) No way. I had a feeling that guy was going to get a career going. (laughs) 
I remember seeing But that not guy like this. Yeah, I was like, this guy, he's got something good. I thought, but I thought you, he was going to go like super bad mode and not like, you know, just. <laughs> but okay, good, good for him. Good I mean, he wrote it as a play initially, and then they, the studio was like, it's too powerful. So let's make it a movie. And I, I love it sobering as hell dang i i had no idea that that dude just took off like that yeah. neither did i until good, sunday good so then we were watching the after thing and he's like i'm the director i'm like huh <laughs> Bull, what <laughs> that's cool holy moly that's cool yeah. all right yeah. well yeah all right um good pick man just like just like that justin sean from twilight fame yeah the asian dude the one asian dude in twilight <laughs> really oh my god all right, well, who's your who's your next director? Uh, it is it is a first time directorial debut. Um, okay. I don't know if this person was oh. an actor, um, but um, I saw this film with Brandon. Actually, I don't think you've seen it, Chris. And um, his mom. And my mommy. How do I know this? I know <laughs> oh, this. Don't, don't say that when you're naked. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Uh, yeah, this, I'm choosing Pig, uh, starring Nicolas Cage. Oh, uh, hey, piggy, piggy, piggy. This no, film, I think, has. I think a lot of. I think it's funny. All three of my films, I think, deals with twenty, like with modern day nihilism, in a way. Um, and I think Pig is one of the shining examples of. I would call it optimistic nihilism. Um, from the trailers, you think that this is John Wick, but with a pig and Nicolas Cage being like a, some crazy dude, but it's actually like so different. It's, yeah. um, first of all, it takes place in Portland, which is like, you know, it's where my sister lives and I, I'm sort of fond of the city and it does a good job of capturing the culture and like the, the feel of it. Um, and it centers around sort of like the culinary scene in Portland and just, it's such a slow and gentle film, even though it like it advertises it as something pretty hardcore. But it's it really is a gentle film about Nicolas Cage, um, sort of going on this this self made crusade uh, to show that uh, nothing no, this world is gonna end soon. Um, the your life's gonna end f- quicker than you think. Um, and you should use your time to do something that truly makes you happy and that you truly like love doing, you know? And for him, that's just like living in the woods and making really good food. Um, he go like, he's teaching this young, uh, sort of restaurant owner, this dude who like buys out restaurants and stuff like that, um, which is sort of like its own business scheme. Um, it's sort of him teaching him like these lessons of, um, just like what it means to be an, like, to be an individual living in this time where we don't know when a crisis is going to happen, you know, very good COVID narrative too, you know, of using this time that you have to just be happy and make something that makes you happy. Um, and one of the, one of the best scenes is when he enters in a restaurant of one of his old apprentices who now does like this crazy stuff about like, Oh, you you know those really pretentious restaurants, you know, where they're like, oh, only used these few ingredients and like the dishes just look so minimalist and like kind of gross. But like everyone's like, oh, it's so fine. It's so delicate. The Nicholas Cage is like, what are you doing? This is not what you wanted to do. Um, And it's just so good in that way. Uh, 
this film, I, I thought it was good when I saw it, but it just, it stuck with me throughout the whole year, and I can't get it out of my mind, so that's why I had to include it on my list of some of the best films of 2021. Brandon, you saw this film with me. I know you're a fellow pig fan. You bought it on Blu-ray. You tried to show your family, but they didn't want to. Shout out to Brandon's family. Shout out to Brandon's sister, who said she would leave the family. No, she'd no, just she leave the room. I'm just kidding. She said she would leave the room. She'd leave the room if you watched Pig. Uh, she said it was too heavy. Too heavy. The, yeah, it's it's kind of heavy. She's, it is. She's not wrong. It's kind of a heavy film. Wrong. But what do you think of Pig, Brandon? I think it's heavily mismarketed. Yeah. Uh, because, like you said, like we went into it expecting it to be another Nicolas Cage extravaganza because that's what he's been doing lately. Is like. He's been doing films that are as wild as hell, and he's continuing on that trend next year with the film that he's playing himself in, which I'm very excited for. Um, But, like, you expect that unhinged nature, and you're expecting maybe some action because of, like, what is pitching about this guy trying to get his pig back. But uh, under the surface is, like, a very emotional tale of reconnection, whether that be with society or you know, with other people in your life. Um, it's kind of a fascinating look at the underworld of being a chef as well. Yeah. Uh, it, there's, a, there's a lot going on in it. And like, there are a lot of scenes that are very emotionally resonant with me, uh, particularly one near the end of the film where Alex Wolf, um, Nick Cage and somebody else. I'm not going to say who because it's kind of a spoiler for the movie. Uh, eat a dinner together. Yeah. And it's one of the most beautiful and haunting scenes I've ever seen in my life. And I love it. Uh, so- I just I feel like I need to rewatch it. And if I rewatch it, it's going to crack its way back into my top 10 of 2021. But right now it's sitting at number 20. Number 20. Woo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Chris, have you seen Pig? I don't remember you no, saying if you've seen it or not. I have not. Um, I actually, like, until you described the movie, I thought it was literally what you, like, said, like, the trailers like, pitched it as. Like John a, Wick with Pig. Like a John Wick-esque Pig. Like, pig like, so that's why, like, I I didn't had no idea that this was, like, an intimate character drama. Like, I yeah. assumed it was, like, a like an action movie with, like, a, with a very unhinged, cagey Nicolas Cage. Um... And yeah, I I mean that's that's how I saw it, and I I don't know I just never saw, seeked it out because it was like um, another Nick Cage movie. All right, like whatever. But mm-hmm. I mean, you guys are describing it as this like existential tale about nihilism and just reconnecting with the earth and the planet and people and culture and whatever. Which I I mean I buy that. Yeah, yeah. I I totally buy into that. Um, I I think you'd really dig this movie, Chris. Yeah. So um, I'll give it a shot sometime. Um, yeah. Okay. Hell, hell yeah. All right, Chris, let's go into the second round with your second right. 2022 film. 2021, not 2022, sorry. Getting ahead of myself. Well, <laughs> One year ahead of myself. He's like, I, all right, my favorite movie, Avatar <laughs> 2. It's very good. James Cameron's The Legend. Um, so I, of all my three films, I think I this is the one that I, I, um, I would say I have the highest chance of double stacking with someone. Although it may not be my favorite movie of the year, um, these are the kinds of movies that I frankly think we need more of nowadays. I chose Mike Mills's Come On, Come On. Double stack.
There it is. Okay. I have a feeling you, you choose this one. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll I'll try and grind through this. Um, so uh, these kinds of like simple, down to earth character portraits, nothing fancy, you know, just beautiful humanity depicted in this kind of fly on the wall kind of way is so refreshing. Um, I haven't seen a movie like this in a while. Just something a bit more easy, more relaxed, a bit more like ah, slice of life, and let's just let's 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 dissect that, like. I mean, like, Joaquin Phoenix does a wonderful job in this film. Um, this is a post-Joker era Joaquin. Um, and, he <laughs> and you can feel it in the film. <laughs> and he glides back into soft Joaquin beautifully. He, like, it is like, you just pick him up. Like, literally, like, he is unrecognizable between the films he does. There's that is no, true. like, Joaquin Phoenix performance. There's just his characters, which I think is a, the highest compliment I can pay an actor. Um, Woody Norman, by the way, does a Good. fantastic job. Keeps up with actor. Joaquin, if not matches Joaquin, in my opinion. Top tier child actor I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, honestly, like it is, it is bizarre. The kid was eleven when they filmed this. I could barely do math when I was eleven. <laughs> so, um, you know, like that goes to show, like yes, Woody is an incredibly talented kid. Um, the way he's able to hone emotions. As an 11, an 11 year old, I think he was holding emotions that I didn't even know existed when I was 11. Um, yes, anyway, it's not a flashy movie at all, but it's a very quiet exploration of our humanity through the minds of children, framed through the lens of a story of an emotionally estranged relationship between an uncle and his nephew. It's so simple, but so fucking effective. I'll hand it over to Brandon in a second, but one last thing I'll mention is that. The cinematography in this film is so beautiful. It it's, is. And that's and that's the other thing. It's not flashy, but it's so gorgeously simple. It's it uses texture and tone over like spectacle and flair, which I think is cinematography at its purest. And they do it wonderfully. Brandon, you like this movie even more than I did. I do. I Go do. Go for it. Uh Come on, come on is a very special film. I think I like Mike Mills's stuff. Like he did 20th Century Woman, which I thought was really good from a few years back. Um, but I think this film hit even harder with me because this is about somebody who is very much not necessarily at a crossroads in his life, but he's like he's doing something that he's passionate about, and the people around him are mixed on it some people support that and think he's doing what he's doing is great and some people are like don't you want to settle down and like find a like like a life that like it fits you here and through this journey between him and his uh nephew you have this like beautiful like he's becoming like a father and learning about parenting through like mistakes and errors and it feels very neorealist in that sense not only because it's shot in like a black and white palette, color palette, but because it's also like a genuinely like a realist movie where it's like you said, a fly on the wall, like jumping from location to location in the U.S., whether that be the deep south or the east coast or the west coast. You you get it all in this movie. Um, yeah. It's a, a highly funny film. It's very emotional. But it's also, like, intellectually stimulating. It has a lot to say. Like, they yeah. talk to real people 
to tell these stories about America today and what they think it'll be like in the future. And like the kids are so precocious today. Yeah. Like, they know they're so, they, like, they're so pure, so pure uh-huh. heart and like yeah. so naive in a way, but also mm-hmm. like we need that. And some of them are realistic, you know, like yeah. there, there are kids who are like way beyond their years in this movie, not just Woody Norman, but like actual kids that they interview. And not only that, the guy has a podcast. We can all relate to that. Bro, I took a podcast to class. Whenever he was recording, I'd just be like, yo, I know how this shit works. That's yeah. Crazy. Ethan and I took a podcasting class with an NPR guy in college, John Nielsen, shout out. Uh, and we very much made stories like he was making in the film. And like, I found it so beautiful and fascinating to see like not an artist and a journalist sort of like make this and then the subplot with the mom is fantastic as well like and her like search for or not search for but like her her helping her husband through a terrible time it's very realist and it and i think it depicts like the 2020s well so far like i feel like that is a perfect representation of the here and now Mm -hmm. which i really love Yeah, yeah this is a really good film um sort of just about like exploring like human connection to one another and about uh the like the mind of a child i've never seen a film dissect the mind of a child so well than this film you know um and i'm glad that they did it with some of the one of the best child actors i've ever seen um and just juxtaposing this story of joaquin phoenix and this boy with his interviews with these kids of what do they think about like where they're living right now in America and what um, their future is going to be like, you know, um, it's just, it's so poetic and beautiful. Um, it can get, it can get pretty tragic at times too, when like the kids showing true emotion and how he feels and um, just one of the most heartwarming films I've ever seen. Great film. It, it barely didn't make my top 10 because I just thought that some other films were better um but it was a great time i saw this in an old theater in portland too which was super fun on a big screen um yeah great great movie um hold on a second just gotta respond to a text it's about housing sorry oh Okay, sorry. My dad just sent us a thing I just wanted to say. Okay. Um, all right. So, my next film, because you guys both did a double stack, I think I'm, I, I'd am i like to see maybe another double stack will happen. Um, this is a film that I was able to catch, which I didn't think I was going to be able to catch this year, but I just managed to do so because they extended the, the runtime of it at the Frida. Um, and that is Drive My Car. Double stack. There it is. I I had to do my top three. The top three of the year yeah. is so special to me. Like, I, can I say something before you go on about Drive My Car? Yeah, do it. Okay. I really, really, really wanted to choose, like, something that I saw recently. Uh, Licorice Pizza or mm-hmm. Nobody or Dune. But, like, all three of those, I was like, I can't get rid of my top three of the year. Because they're just so good. Summertime also. But anyway, oh, yeah. go ahead, Ethan. Yeah. Uh, drive My Car. Um, I was so lucky 
to know absolutely nothing about this film going in besides the poster and that it was like getting lots of buzz it can so me too and i knew it was long that's all i knew and i'm like okay it's a it's a near three hour movie i'm just gonna i'm just gonna dive into this and see what it's all about and um this is such a special movie i i was absolutely floored with how um incredible and how like just poetic it is about sort of the process of um guilt grief and self-love which i think that those are like three things that i think everyone struggled with in 2021 it was such a hard year for all of us and seeing these this character so it stars i don't want to say too much because chris i feel like you're gonna see this film eventually and i want you to go in just as blind okay by the way where the fuck did you guys see this movie the The frida Frida. oh geez but it's actually i think it's available on home theater right now for like a certain amount of money so you could watch it at home and but like it's okay. i bet i bet it's playing somewhere in la chris you just gotta yeah, find yeah. it is the theater is is this one of those movies where the theater experience is hugely important or i is, think it helps could I, watch this? Yeah. I think so because um because it's a three-hour film i think if you're seeing it in a theater it limits your distractions that's true and yeah, it lets I, you just I, get I, yeah i probably wouldn't get distracted get lost in it because it doesn't feel like a three-hour film i could watch this for five more hours honestly like you get sucked into these characters lives um this is all all i'll say it stars uh an actor who is now directing a play and okay and something happens to him and he has to struggle with that feeling through the grief and bouncing off that grief and self-love and guilt off of other other people who have had like just as bad things that happened to them in their life and um it's a it's a multilingual film which is cool uh because the plays that he puts on are in multiple languages um and so he have we he's talking to people of all different languages in this film uh and not just spoken languages um uh, you know there's uh doing korean sign language in this film which is super cool um and it's just a film about one of my fundamental ideologies of in order to love others uh, to love and understand others you have to love and understand yourself which is like that is like a core philosophy of mine that i carry with me every single day and i tell everyone i know um and this film explains it and displays it perfectly and it is just so it's such a delicate and beautiful film you know it's it's a very quiet and delicate film and it was just one of those films that I needed to see at the right time in my life. Um, such a beautiful film. Brandon, what do you think about Drive My Car? I think it's, like you said, a slow meditation on grief. And there are multiple points throughout the movie where you go, wow. Like, I can't believe this is a movie or that this is in a movie. And it's not that it's, like, shocking or anything. It's just, like, it feels so real as a... <laughs> As you guys often remark on Twitter, real. Um, (laughs) Real. (laughs) And and it's like, there are a lot of things to do thematically in this film that you can dissect from each of the main characters. There's, There's two, two or three. And each of them 
kind of has its own arc and it's kind of beautiful how they intersect and how the director slowly peels back each layer as the film goes on because it leaves at first you're like you don't know a lot and you have a certain perspective on certain characters and as the film progresses those things slowly start to shift as more layers are peeled back but at the end of the film i feel like you find yourself in a very similar place um like in terms of in regards to how you feel about each of the characters and that is one of love i love Love. these characters um and honestly it's very human i honestly my all three of my films are very human films they're very grounded i didn't put any big sci-fi blockbuster on here and this is probably this is definitely top three of the year i need to see it again immediately i swear yeah yeah i gotta check this movie out i've only heard the most amazing of things like most people are giving this like isn't this one of the highest rated of the year like on letterbox i'm sure it is i i, maybe. I think so it should yeah. be. but like yeah i think like a lot of people like i even like people who are rel- tend to be like harsh on certain movies like are giving this like at least a four which is like i feel like if a movie is stand is like making like four stars tends to be its minimum minimum rating that's when you know it's like something really really special yeah um, and, i feel like it might not emotionally hit with everyone it's very it's a bit cold dialogue driven wise but i love it sorry yeah ahead, I th- yeah no i was just saying like i think like the because like this movie's concept is quite it's i feel like this is a hard film to pitch you know for people because mm-hmm. you know i mean like what guy in a car I mean, you know, like, like, <laughs> is well, it? like, like <laughs> is it? It, I mean, I, then, then again, I don't know, but like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a hard film to pitch to someone because it's such a, it's so down to earth. It's almost a little bit like, like what kind of a movie, but I mean, like I've been proven wrong by that before. And I know that you've ta- like great filmmaking can come from even the most random of places. And yeah. why, why not, why not a car? um what (laughs) so and that's why i'm picking titan just kidding (laughs) (laughs) why why not a car (laughs) why not wait i want a picture of of the main character why not a car (laughs) (laughs) why not a car hey if it's got Uh, holes no uh okay yeah yeah all right i'm sold on that (laughs) i gotta i gotta you know what I'm gonna sometime next week. I'm gonna I'm gonna search out a a theater nearby. That'll please do you do yourself a favor and do that. And if you do that, no, I'm not gonna say if you do that. I'll do that for Blue Bayou as well, but not with the theater. I'm gonna watch it this week. Um, right. And Mass. I'm gonna watch all of these films. I want to make sure I watch all these films that we're talking about as soon as I can. Uh, all right, let's go into the final round here, Chris. Let's hit it with your last pick. All right. <laughs> All right, you guys probably saw this fucking coming. I chose yep. Dune. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I chose Doom. This movie's pretty fucking unbelievable. I think all of us were... All of us... I mean, even, like... That's the thing about this movie that has made me so happy. It's, like, both, like, small time... Like, small moviegoers and, like, people who like the... Like, more drama kind of stuff and, like, into, like, the quote-unquote art of film. Really excited for this movie. But also, general audiences... Like, relatively, like, yeah, they were kind of excited for this movie. A good number of people went to go see this. Um, in an era filled with reboot quills, franchises, and IPs dominating box office and our, like, collective media and art culture, 
this movie was actually really special to me. Um, we've talked about this before, but Denis Villeneuve is one of like is one of those directors that all three of us can wholeheartedly agree is an amazing filmmaker. Yep. There tends to be like a couple of directors in our in like within this like within the like among the three of us that like we're all kind of like this guy's fucking awesome. We all love Kurosawa. We all mm-hmm. love Del Toro. You know, there we <laughs> love. You know, there's there's a there's a selection out there, but we. The, but Denis Villeneuve is one of our favorite contemporary directors. Yes. Um, his steady climb from character pieces to crime thrillers to, and lately into science fiction dramas has been a yeah. pleasure to watch. And Dune is, and alongside, like, Denis Villeneuve, alongside his ever-talented team of collaborators, have created one of the most epic sci-fi films I've ever seen in terms of scope and scale. Um the world is so staggeringly vast and in worldling to but to to see um in my humble opinion this is one of the greatest technical achievements in modern cinema history in a while mm-hmm. um they do things in this movie that i never even thought like i could imagine i could really imagine the way they mesh like live action photography with uh cgi is completely seamless i genuinely can't tell what's real and what's fake sometimes um yeah, and like yeah, so Dune, you know, everybody knows and talks about this movie. It is not a complete movie. It definitely does feel like a third of one. Um, but I will say that third is pretty damn masterful. Like a lot of the weight of this film is dependent on understanding that there are sequels to come. Um, which they let for, you know about in the beginning which they of the film. Like, <laughs> yeah, they let you know because they say part one. And that was um, like, huh? And thank goodness, because um, thank goodness that this is how they did it, because um, I can't imagine them being able to create this world, create all of the stuff they were doing and tell a full cohesive story in. And I know it sounds weird, but like mm. three hours, not yeah. enough. For not this, enough, not for enough for this world. Yeah. Um, you need the trilogy. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm glad that the box office was good enough that um, that. Uh, what is it? Legendary Pictures greenlit the sequels. I don't know who Warner Brothers. Comes, Warner Brothers. Legendary. Yeah, yeah. Warner Brothers and Legendary greenlit the sequels. Um, yeah, and I'm excited to see them. But um, even though you may lose that kind of singular collective, like cohesive film a story, um, you gain a steady, growing depth in story and its themes and its world building. It takes its time. The world is so textured and tangible, which is so rare to find in these kinds of sci-fi films nowadays. Um, watch this on the biggest screen and the loudest sound system you can find. This, I think, of all the movies to kind of remind me of the of how special the theater-going experience is. I'm sorry, Spider-Man, but Dune is the one for me that made that reminded Ooh. me that that's that's where the party's at. <laughs> all right, we all love Dune. I've added boys. What do you guys think? Um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't put this in my top of the list. Didn't it? It uh, didn't crack my top tier because I do feel like that. Like, I just, I just need to see the rest of them to truly appreciate this one. You know what yeah, I'm saying? It's hard. Yeah, this it's hard is hard to give it a rating. To me, watching this first Dune felt like I was watching The Fellowship of the Ring for the first time without knowing two towers or you know or return of the king and i think dune is an amazing movie fantastic movie but it did it left it left me hanging and i'm gonna be hanging until the second ones and like i can't 
I can't shake that for putting that my top like top of the tier of the film. What am I saying? My the yeah. top. What are you? Top saying? of twenty one. Top. What I am losing my fucking mind right now. What is going on? I'm having a stroke. Anyways, never mind. Dune is amazing. Uh, I can't wait to see the sequels. <laughs> so good. Can't wait for the sequel. Um, <laughs> this movie, I, I was shocked how much like the David Lynch movie it is. That was one of the it's most surprising things. It's very yeah. similar. Because, like, I, I just wasn't expecting... I thought they were just going to try to be able, go as far away from that as possible. But it's, like, it's very structurally similar. But yeah, it's just... It just the execution. But, it but it's feels just different. better. It just feels it's better, 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 you know? Better, yeah. Um, yeah, some of my favorite, sh- like, scenes in the film is whenever Villeneuve was able to capture the scope of it. Whenever yeah. we saw those giant ships. Like, one of my favorite shots is this... That giant, like 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 i don't know it was like a, it looked like a cone or some ship you know it looked like a big mouth oh when, when and then, is, is it when they're going to arrakis and then the yeah then the ships were like there's like a bunch flying of tiny of ships flying out of it that felt like the first alien movie to me when there's like this giant the giant rig right next to the planet and you're just yeah. like whoa that feels fucking huge or just whenever you see the sandworms they did the worms. They look so, good. so big. I, I didn't know they could look so. Yeah, big. and when and when the scene when you're first encountering the worm, you know when they're all having to escape the that yeah, the spice like the gathering machine, like into, the yeah. ground shaking and like this thing slowly sinking, sinking because the worm is coming up to eat it. You're just like, this thing is fucking huge. Oh my god, we didn't get enough worms. One of my also my complaints. I feel like we need a bit more worms. We're gonna get more worms. I know we're gonna get more worms, but um cast was excellent this denis villeneuve cast the hell out of it i am so excited to be living through another like fantasy science fiction epic with everybody you know i i didn't i didn't get the my lord of the rings or first star wars trilogy you know i have the mcu but that's a lot of films you know i'm so ready for everyone to be hyped about this or i think it's just gonna be two or three films i don't know I think they just highlight. I think they just greenlit two. I think it's just gonna and be. Then, yeah, but there will yeah. probably be a three. Gonna be a four. Yeah, I a three. Don't know. I don't yeah. know. It's weird. But I'm just. I'm ready to be excited with everyone for the next one. It's gonna just be so fucking cool. I can't wait for another adapted to the screen classic franchise. You know, from the book to screen. It's just that's such a special thing, and. I'm so glad that Denny hit it out of the park. What do you think, Brandon? I think it's an amazing film. It made my top ten. I do not like Timothy Chalamet, and this movie made a case for me liking that guy for that. He was really good in it. I feel yeah. like he balanced his – he had his nuanced emotion, which I'm not used to seeing from him. You're just used to seeing him be – little emotionless goth boy and that does happen a few times in this movie but i feel like there's a lot more emotion that is shining through through that emotionless exterior um i think the best part about this movie is that when i saw it for the first time in dolby i saw it in the front row which i've never done in a dolby before but that's i wanted to be as close to the middle of the screen as possible and my earlier tickets had like me at the side so I was like, I'm just going to book later tickets for closer to the screen. And I felt like I was in my own world watching that movie. Like, just me in the screen and maybe a few people next to me. Looking up at, like, the grandeur of this made the scale even more epic. 
mm-hmm. made it look like I was watching a film on IMAX. Um, but the thing is with the Dolby's, you have these recliners, so like you're not breaking your neck to look up at the screen, you know. And I mean, I was totally enraptured with it from the beginning of the film, like just sitting there watching it, and like I, at no point did I feel like it was too long. Yeah, honestly, I I just feel like it did take forever for stuff to happen but i wasn't like angry about it i was just like i just want to see more of this these worlds that they're on like the harkonnen world arrakis uh dunes uh not dune paul atreides homeworld the atreides mm-hmm. homeworld which is like it's so beautiful um and each of the actors in it gives a great performance and it's like a political narrative that actually feels like i don't know not preachy and slow and boring like yeah. i love politics in my movies but when it's done wrong, it can be like, uh, don't look up. <laughs> uh, another Timothy Chalamet movie. Um, but instead, you get something kind of remarkable as it kind of alludes to our own world and our reliance on oil. But it's more on spice in this film. I, I just I can't get enough of this movie. Can't wait for part two, whether that's the conclusion or the middle chapter. Good stuff. Yeah, I do. I do want to ask before we go on. Um what is your favorite guys's favorite scenes from this movie? Is there a Ooh. sequence that really stuck with you? Because for me, it was when the Harkonnens attack the Atreides family on Arrakis, the the invasion at night. Do you remember that? Yeah. Something yeah, about do. the scale of that invasion was so fucking massive. And just knowing like, wait, Josh Brolin dies off screen in that sequence. Well, we don't know. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Well, we don't, well, we know, don't know, that. know. We also don't know. And also, yeah. And also, spoiler alert. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should but, have assumed that by looking uh, on this podcast. I think I think my favorite scene, I already said it, was when the worm. Uh, right, right. The worm, when they're the escaping the worm. worm. Yeah. Dude, um, I, I, th- this is a nerdy thing of mine, but, like, you know how, like, the the, the sand just starts, like, sinking underneath? That's them, terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, that and that is a real thing that happens. Like if if something is like if there's an earthquake underneath sand, yeah, like the I think the scientific term for what that is is called liquefaction, and it basically turns like sand the texture of sand into like this kind of like mushy water. So you literally have to like mm-hmm. swim through sand. Yeah, and I mean obviously humans aren't built to swim through sand, so we're kind of fucked. But yeah, yeah. it's so uh, insane. I have two. My I love how Timothy Chalamet's character Paul has to like earn his way through because like at the beginning of the film, I could see somebody looking at this guy as like a royal pain in the ass entitled yeah, little little, little, brat, little brat because he's like trying to earn his he's not earning anything but then in the second half of the movie he goes through it you know he's put through the ringer and my favorite stuff is like. When he's on the spice convoy mission with his dad and the the, the dune lady who has blue eyes, uh, not not Zendaya's character, I forget the the scientist that works with them who is like an Arrakis native. Um, when they're on that freighter and then the freighter goes down, but they can't escape it, so they have to evacuate everybody off. And Paul is kind of taken up by the spice in that moment. And he's, like, on the ground and he's seeing the prophecy. Or in the second half of the movie, right after the escape, where um, they crash on the ground and they have to, like, survive on their own. 
you know, like Rebecca Ferguson and Timothy Chalamet's character. Yeah. The, like when they're in that tent, you know, I yeah. love stuff like that. I love it because it's so claustrophobic, but it's yeah. also you, like using yeah, your you survival. Yeah. yeah. Survivalist instinct appears and like people have to change and evolve with the circumstance they're in. And like you said, like it is very one on one. There's not no big scale to distract. Although I like it. Also, sorry, another scene I really like mm-hmm. when the Harkonnen, uh, when Oscar Isaac uh, bites the thing. Oh and, uh, yeah, and then like poisons the room. Oh yeah. yeah, that that's that also one of mine. Good. I was gonna that's say that too. Scene. Yeah, Dude, yeah. He went out like a G. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, so yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well. Enough of us nerding out about Dune. Let's move on to the next one. Okay. So, Bran already film. did his last pick. So, I'm going to my last film. Um, I'm picking Baby my favorite Annette. movie. Baby Annette. No, I'm not picking Annette. But, Chris, you got it. First of all, shout out to Annette. Bran and I just watched that film. It's so fucking okay. funny. Before before we move on, yeah. I do have to say, Professor Fury emailed me about that movie. Because she was yeah. asking me if I've seen Dune and Annette. And I was uh-huh. like, yeah, I love Dune. I haven't seen Annette. And she was like, yeah. And she said something like, I, I don't remember if I'm quote I, I apologize if I'm quote misquoting, but is it okay, is it technically a musical? Like a it is. musical? Okay. It's we my favorite start, musical of the year. Until it started. I, I knew it was <laughs> because it was like I saw the Sparks documentary that Edgar Wright did yeah. about that band and they they talk about the movie that they worked on. Yeah. So they're like, I want to make a musical. Fury Fury hated it. Fury hated it? Uh, yeah, she didn't like it. I thought it was okay. I but thought it Ethan was great. I was, it's so fun. it's so funny. I love it so Baby much. Baby Annette. Baby Annette. <laughs> Baby Annette. <laughs> uh, anyways. <laughs> shall we start? Shall we start? Shall we? No, shall we're going to end this start? with my last pick. Uh, my favorite film this year. No surprise. Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0. Thrice Upon a Time. I had to choose it. Good movie. I watched it last night. I just had to remind myself. I saw your review and I was like, fuck, I already know what he's going to pick. <laughs> I had to. I had to. He it's, was gonna watch it one more time. I knew that. Yeah, I wanted to watch it one more time, us. regardless, just to remind myself that this is my favorite movie of the year because uh, I remember Chris, you actually walked in on us when we were watching it for the first time. I remember think that? I like get out of here. It was before. It was away. before Buddy Bot. I remember the Buddy Bot screening, and I was an absolute emotional wreck when you walked in. It was. Okay, so now, Chris, now that you've seen End of Evangelion. Okay. I le- So if End of Evangelion is like a kick in the nuts and like a slap on the forehead, this is like... <laughs> a hug? This is like a hug and a kiss on the cheek for Evangelion. And it's like, oh, it just, it melts. It's still okay. a very traumatic film, I would say. But yeah. it leaves you just as emotional, but for the exact opposite reasons. Um, interesting. These Evangelion rebuilds are like the Matrix Resurrections. Yeah, it it is. It's a lot like the Matrix Res- Resurrections. By um, this film, deconstructs these characters both as people and as um, cultural. I was not in America, but they're cultural icons in Japan. Like this is like one of the biggest blockbuster franchises in all of Japan. I think this was like one of the highest grossing movies there. Um, so it deconstructs them as these characters that each other that care each other in the film care about and that we care about outside the frame and it's pretty explicit in that and of course it dives into the classic Evangelion themes of you know of some of those existentialist stuff that we love 
about self-love. Same stuff that drive my car. I feel like there's similar things going on here. But Licorice Pizza does that too. It does? Oh, okay. Now yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm seeing that this weekend. Um, it is just, it's phenomenal. I think it's one of the most beautifully animated films I've seen. There is a shot, Chris, in this in this film where it looks like it's shot like a handheld camera where like the director's going around the characters while they're doing a really intense action. It's not robots. It's just two characters like doing something. It And it feels like rotoscope animation, but I know it's not. But it feels like it's like it's kind of uncanny valley. Brandon, do you know? Do you remember the scene? There are a lot of scenes like that in this. The movie, but the first one they do that is the force feeding scene. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, I do. Where it's like where Oscar's force feeding Shinji. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that you're taken all around this room while she's doing that, and you're like, how? How is this? Is is this real? Like, do these characters actually exist? And do they literally just film yeah. the scene? There are scenes where you think like, is this photography or is this hand drawn? You know, and it's. It's and then there's scenes where it's like, this is CG, and I know it's CG, but it's it's but crazy. It's, it's crazy. And like you're just like, no fucking shit, this took ten years to make. You know, because the last yeah. Evangelion movie came out in 2011, and then this one came out in 2021, and you're just like, holy shit. Such a good movie. Um, such an emotional movie for me. Had to include it as my best film of this year. Uh Brandon, what do you think? I don't have as deep of a relationship with Evangelion as Ethan here, but I do love the franchise. I just got the complete series, End of Evangelion and Death True, on Blu-ray. Thank you, Mom and Dad. Thank you, Mommy uh, and Papi. Mine's coming in the mail, <laughs> the collector's edition. Yeah. Kind of great. I just got the regular. <laughs> That's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, and I think it's still a fantastic update to the ending of Evangelion. This is a much contentious franchise as it has three endings, one for each of the fan bases. That's why this Some is called were... Thrice Upon a Time. Yes. Yeah. And the first one, everybody has a controversial take on. The second one is pretty well received, and I feel like most people have seen it over the third ending, which just came out. Yeah. And this one is probably my favorite of the endings. Now, it's not my favorite Evangelion movie. I still prefer the end of Evangelion's ending because it just it makes you feel some sort of way and it's nihilistic and it's surprising um but with thrice upon a time it feels like an artist saying goodbye to his creation like they're never going to return to it it feels final but it feels so complete like there are no loose ends with any of the characters from the rebuilds or any of the characters from the original series and it is one of those legacy movies. It's not the direct legacy sequel as more so the first one kind of is. Maybe the second one more so. Mm-hmm. Um, but it works. And I I love it. Uh, especially the second half of this movie. It's quite insane. It's very cinematic. And like Ethan said about the animation, like some of the stuff they do here is very, very, very complex to the point where you're questioning your own reality as a viewer. So you got to love it for that. I don't want to spoil too much because, Chris, you'll watch the rebuilds eventually, I'm sure. But I'm yeah, sure eventually. Very yeah. good. So, Chris, what have you heard about these rebuilds in this film? You know, I honestly don't even know what the fuck a rebuild is. Like, So there's like alternative endings or something. I don't know how this works. Okay, so there, there's four movies. They're all on Amazon Prime. And it you'd make it think. Rebuild, they're just saying that because it's like 
robot based, but it, it it's kind of like it's kind of like a remake. But then you the slowly first one, first one's a, re- a, a remake. But then you kind of slowly see that it's kind of like a sequel to the original series, not in terms of a narrative sense, but more of a thematic sense, and more of an okay. explicit thematic sense. And it's like don't. Don't look at it like the quality of these movies, but think the Halloween reboots. Like I see what you, know, you mean. Okay, in terms of stru- structurally, in terms of like, okay, like one negates the Ethan, other. Ethan, why are you making that face? No, because no, it doesn't negate anything. It doesn't negate anything. It is. It adds on to it. Wow. It's not. I, mean, I don't know. I, I don't Brandon, know, like, rem- there's a sequence where they. <laughs> okay. Don't listen to Brandon. It doesn't negate no, anything. It adds. It, ex- not... it, it adds to the series. To watch all of Evangelion includes these films at the end. You have to watch everything that comes before, which you have to watch these at the end. Okay. Okay. So, that's. But I'm talking about in terms of connection to the overall narrative. Like, you're thematically you're right, but not narrative. Narratively, uh. Uh, yeah, I guess. Kind of. Kind of. Because thematically, it does add a lot, but... Where there's, there's like the, I one would... thing that's the same, but then yeah. there's a change. Okay, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. I, I get that. Alright, yeah, so that's my last film. Chris, definitely check these out since you love Evangelion now. Um, make it well <laughs> worth it. On Amazon Prime. Recommend that to all of you, too. And there are all of our 21 picks. 2021 picks. Wow. What what a great! We each had seven picks, twenty one picks. All there's all of our twenty one picks, twenty twenty one picks. Um, so before we d- decide what one film is going to be added onto the stack, let's run down all of our picks one more time. Chris, do you want to start us off? Sure. Uh, my films were Blue Bayou, Come On, Come On, and Dune. Brandon, Mass, Come On, Come On, and Drive My Car. And mine were Pig. Drive My Car, and Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0. Thrice Upon a Time. Alright, so come on, come on, Drive My Car. Automatically in. Um, I, he, I'm thinking one of, t- t- one of two. Uh, Dune or Pig? I was thinking Evangelion or Dune. Really? Yeah. Um, but I think the, it, the only issue with picking Evangelion is... Is it's hard to tell someone to watch that film to represent twenty twenty one, to yeah. watch that one. You're more film. just, you're just more saying, hey, yeah. this is very special to me. Yeah. But I would agree that it deserves to be on any list if you've seen the Evangelion movies. But maybe, maybe Picker Dune. Because I also think it also, uh, it's um, it represents great postmodern reflexivity of franchise films in twenty twenty one, you know. I'd group this with this and Matrix uh, Resurrections, but I think this one's better than Matrix. Um, do you think Dune is a little like? I mean, do... I, I'm more than happy for you guys to pick Dune, but is, do you think like the fact that it's not a cohesive full movie like makes it hard for this list, or do you think it? It's fine? I I think since it's the beginning, I think it's fine. I I I think we should put Dune since we all I think we all are on the same page with this film since we all we've all seen it. Let's have one that we've all seen and that we all love. You know, yeah. Well, we've we all seen. Come on, come on. That's true. So we have two of them. Yeah. Two. 
but this one's yeah, not and double I stacked. Told, and I and I I believe everything you guys say about Drive My Car. So yeah, you gotta you gotta watch Pig though. Yeah. You gotta watch. Wait, Pig. Is that on streaming or something? I have it on Race if you want to borrow it. But I, it's probably on yeah somewhere. Usually. It's a neon oh, movie, so it, it might be on Hulu. Yeah. Oh hell yeah! Everyone watch Pig on Hulu right now. Um. No, finish the podcast. Then finish, finish the podcast. We only got a few more minutes left, and then watch Dune. Okay, so let's think of an order here. I think we should do Dune first. Let's have an explode because this is the year of coming back to the theaters. Let's have let's have the thing that like brought us back. You know that made it feel like we were back okay. in the theaters. So let's this, start with this. Save theaters for me, not Tenant. Yeah, not Tenant. Oh my God, was Tenant this year? No, no Tenant was last year. That was last year. Godzilla versus right. Kong, though, that was a good one. That kind of that that made that was my first one where I felt like I was back when we saw Godzilla versus Kong and I was baked out of my mind and I was glued For, into my chair. Mine was nobody. That was maybe. I think mine was probably Godzilla v Kong. But all of the that era was like so. Refreshing. That era. Yeah. That era <laughs> of like the first three the months of the year. Yeah. The first. Yeah, three that did it. Did feel like an era though, where we were slowly climbing out of our shells. You know, it was truly an era. Um, and then I think Come On, Come On is a good middle one. Yeah. And then I think Drive My Car to finish it off. Yeah. Drive My Car's ending is pretty crazy. It is. This is a long screening. Yeah. yeah. 20, <laughs> hey, like, 2021 was a long year. It felt yeah, like this and was a, a lot of the movies, A lot of movies this year were like two hours plus, which yeah. I heavily love. Uh, <laughs> it's not about the runtime, though, guys. It's about pacing. <laughs> yeah. God, let's not have that discourse in 2022, Please. even though we definitely will. Yeah, I'm sure it will. It'll come up again. Yeah. All right. Come well, on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. So let's run down then our list of 2021's best films. Chris, do you want to kick off kick off this list with our first pick? Yep, our first pick is the movie that saved movie going. Fuck you, Spider Man. Um, <laughs> it is Dune, directed by Denis Villeneuve, an incredible space opera epic. Um, one of the most technically impressive films of the year, and in quite a few years. Um, creates an incredible world for us to explore and think about and contemplate um, that is promises to be one of the biggest uh, movie-going events of the, not only of the year, but as the sequels come on, come on, come on, it, <laughs> it gets even better. It gets I'm better. Rambling. It All gets right, better. let's go number two. All right, Brandon, take us to number two. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. This is, this is a beautiful... <laughs> Say you're freaking mad. I'm freaking mad. Ah! <laughs> uh, this is a fantastic human drama comedy that makes you really think about the future, the past, the present, all of the above. It's a love letter to humanity as well as a hate letter. Watch, come on, come on. <laughs> Fuck you. Please. Fuck, please. Love it. And our last film is... Um... Ryosuke Hamaguchi's Drive My Car, um, a three-hour intimate epic, I would say, a personal intimate epic about um, just about life, grief, forgiveness, um, and self-love, self-forgiveness. Um, it's a beautiful film that will you won't feel its runtime once you're sucked into this life of this man, um, this actor slash theater director um and it just 
it, it puts you in the mindset that you should be going into 2022. You know, it's a quiet, gentle film to be for you to be a quiet, gentle, and kind person in 2022. And I you got like, therapy. Yeah, it, it's film is therapy, and this film is therapy. You know, so watch the movie, have yourself a good time, and that's that's our stack. That's the list, everyone. This is a good ass stack. Holy shit. Yeah. We're gonna therapize the world. We're gonna yeah, therapize the one. world. This is a good one. Brian, this, this this is this is only we all only got to pick three of the year, and we had two double stacks. There yeah. are a lot of movies yeah. that we could have we could talk about. Do you want to do some honorable mentions? I love yeah. Do you have, yeah, do Chris, kick us off with some honorable mentions that you have. All right, hang on, let me pull this up real quick. Hang on, Letterbox is my best friend in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, my name and oh. year twenty twenty one. Bang. Okay, here we go um well okay first of all my favorite movie of the year we already picked it oh uh, it was mitchell's versus the machines really that's your yeah wow that's my favorite of the year per- that was a personal one just for me yeah that was that, that, that was just for me with the right ethan <laughs> <laughs> um i also really love the suicide squad i thought yes. that was one of the most exciting comic book movies ever to come out that is a m- movie i think you can tell was made by a fucking nerd and i loved it um shang chi was great mm-hmm. um i'm trying to like pick out what, what else is great um green knight uh yeah shout out to malignant man that is a oh <laughs> man great Fire, crazy we, we yeah. picked it for gaslighting movies but great great fucking film gotta check it out uh rattle in i don't know uh west side story uh good movie uh Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yes. Fire. One of my favorites that was of the year. Fire. Nobody yeah. was great. My oh, The only Sundance movie I saw on the count of three. That Which hasn't great. even come out yet, bro. Hasn't even come out yet. I think it's technically a 2022 release. Yeah. That's a it's great good. Really? It's pretty oh, good. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. It's pretty good. Well, I didn't. Um, I can't wait to see it. I thought it, it was good. I didn't for 2022. All right, Brandon, you want to go over some honorable mentions? Yeah. Uh,. Gotta shout out the Chapman alum again. Carpe- Carlos Lopez Estrada had two films this year. I didn't love Ryan the Last Dragon, but Summertime is one of the most unique movies I've ever seen. It's told through poetry, um, the whole movie basically, and it's fascinating to. And it's an LA film, so anybody who you know lived in LA might like it. Uh, Primetime, another great Sundance movie that I don't think enough people are talking about. Power of the Dog on Netflix, Jane Campion's newest, The Last Duel, really good movie. Yes, there's a problem that Ethan has that is a pretty big problem, but I love the movie regardless. Uh, Candyman, excellent. Coda, The Matrix, I, this is the first Matrix movie I've liked. Um, Nobody was one of my favorite action movies of the year. Pleasure was another good Sundance movie. Pig, French Dispatch, Suicide Ooh. Squad. Yeah. Tick, tick, okay. boom. I, yeah. And Red Rocket. Nice. All right. I was like, come on, give me some. Give me some I can say. You're Werewolves Revenge. You guys are taking all the good movies. Um, Yeah, I just want to reinstate Suicide Squad was my favorite comic movie of the year. One of my, my, probably my favorite blockbuster. Such a good creative film that felt like a perfect synthesis of like 70s and 80s pulp comics with cinema. Um, Zack Snyder's Justice League, another completely... um in a time where things do feel like samey and formulaic, it was refreshing to see a full artist vision. And it was just a great epic to watch. Uh, the green Knight, 
so good. Uh, King Richard, I loved King Richard, man. That movie was so good. <laughs> Will Smith, he's best actor of the year. Come on. Uh, French Dispatch, so cool to see magazine writing translated into, um, you know, into a cinematic medium. So cool. Godzilla vs. Kong, you know, welcome back to the theaters for me. Red Rocket, Sean Baker, so good. Um, another Sundance film that I loved, Together Together. This one is not getting enough hype. I thought it was such a good... Come on, come on, together, together. Come on, come on, together, together. Uh, together, together was so good. Um, it stars the tables lady from I Think You Should Leave. <laughs> uh, so Super cool, interesting. Uh, I wouldn't even call it a, a romantic comedy. It's more like platonic comedy. I don't know. Uh, this was a good hidden gem. Nine Days. Such a good film. I saw that the day I graduated. It's such a cool uh, existentialist film. Um, Titan, weird film. Annette, weird film. Love weird films. Nightmare Alley. And I'm going to shout it out. We, we've been dumping on, dunking on it, but Spider-Man Far From Home. Fun movie. No, no, Good movie. Yeah, fun movie. Fun oh, movie. yeah. No Way Home. Sorry. I always mix those two. Too many home. I, I hate I hate the home titling. Uh, No Way Home. It's good. It's good. It's fun. It's cool. It's what a cool, cool little T- movie. Titan, Ghostbusters, Werewolf Within. Not Ghostbusters. Morally, within. morally wrong film. Werewolf Within, fun film. Such a great film. Um, a little should, anime. Should we, uh... Words bubble like, like bubble up like soda pop. So cool. Check that out on Netflix. Very good. What, Chris? Should we share our worst of the year? Or are we not? Yeah, right we're now? not gonna do a stack because I don't think we're gonna do a worst. We're not gonna right? do a stack, but let's yeah, let's just share some of the worst films. I'm just gonna share three of them. All right, all right, go for it. You go first. Kissing Booth three. Yeah, kill me. We haven't seen bad. it, bro. Secret Agent Dingledorf, and then my worst <laughs> film. He's all that. Oh my god. And me now. I can't believe Joey and Tori made us like that. Watch yeah, that. I I watched. I think the worst for me were Clifford. Yep. Yeah. Um. He's all that. 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 Je- Ethan. I'm not. I think I. You and I probably experienced the same way. That yeah. movie made me mad. It like, made me fucking these mad. Movies get made. Yeah. Like these movies should not be made. Oh. And whoever decided to make this movie, morally wrong film. Movie. You know. Morally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I. Like I. Morally, I, right? I appreciate people <laughs> making bad movies because I know, like, hey, you made a. You at least you made a movie. That should be an achievement yeah. in and of itself. Fuck anyone who was associated with this movie. You you are yeah, morally wrong for bringing this to the screen. I, I'm sorry. My 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 review just opens with genuinely obscene and ends with this is what my idea of hell looks like. Hell, yeah. Um, okay, so those are my I don't three. Know what else was bad? Uh, Halloween no. Kills, Conjuring oh. Three, Evil Dies Tonight, Ooh. Conjuring Evil Three. Oh, uh, remember when we God. saw Conjuring Three? God Dude, damn. we were so. I was so annoyed. I was so bored. That was such a boring <laughs> movie. Oh my god. My God, Brandon, that was such a bad movie. Yeah, Brandon, uh, I mean, you you've already named my bottom three, but I'll just name some other bad ones. I mean, I'm going to name Dingledorf. That's my worst of the year. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, a look- weirdly morally wrong film, too, by their, like, <laughs> their weird manifesto that we found on their website. Yeah, like, really yeah. put things into perspective. Like, at first, I was like, okay, that was pretty bad. But, like, hey, it looked like they were just having fun, like, making a film together, you know? But they're like... Yeah movies these days like they don't have good christian values and we're like whoa what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> it was so fucking weird uh, earwig and the witch oh uh so sad to see up. that is bad 
I didn't like Don't Look Up. I hated it. It was okay. Um, Dear Evan Hansen, morally morally (laughs) wrong film. Very morally wrong morally wrong film, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Snake Eyes, aggressively terrible. Home Sweet Home Alone. (laughs) The ending is so funny. Oh, God, Home Sweet Home Alone, yeah. Brandon showed us the (laughs) ending of that movie, and it's so funny. It's really like, why did they need to do that? And it makes it worse. Uh, Tom and Jerry and Paw Patrol. Those are also pretty bad. Uh, but they're not really made for me. So I yeah. can recognize that they might have their lovers out there. Good blocking, though. <laughs> yeah, good good blocking in the, the Paw Patrol. When are we going to do yeah, our stack for the best movies? Framing. Yeah, Brandon said good blocking. No, he said good framing. We got to do framing. best framing. In yeah, wait, we should, we, should, we should do that. We should start just picking out like formal elements. And doing <laughs> also, best use of diegetic sound. <laughs> 2022 <laughs> filmmakers if you're listening stop making your movies so goddamn fast i don't need another jungle cruise or last night in soho or, or snake i i think it's too late eyes. for 2022 filmmakers that most of those films are already made so are they're already in the can yeah they're already in the can but 2023 filmmakers look out please please blockbuster filmmakers just take it easy you Ew. can like take a breath i don't mind the quick pace but if you're not like take a breath to develop characters yeah you're fucking up. Big, hard biggest, core. biggest problem of 2021 was blockbusters and their pacing. pacing. It was insane. Yeah, to blockbuster see. pacing was not great this year. Like, or, except for like Shang Chi. Except for like, Shang Chi, Dune, Suicide Squad, Justice League. Um, what else? What else had good pacing? That's basically, it's basically, I mean, like the black, the all the Marvel, Marvel movies. All Marvel yeah. was fine. Like, yeah, I thought the, Eternals. Not Eternals. Was fine, no, Eternals was paced fine. I don't think crazy. Eternals was paced fine. Yeah, I gotta say, no. It um, had a lot to do. Yeah, that's my argument. It had a lot to do, and it didn't do it well. Um, okay, it did it okay. It's an okay film. Uh, can I put on my clothes now? Uh, oh yeah, that might be a good idea. Don't you Chris, you can. I'll put on uh, Brandon. Why don't you? Why don't you stick around for a few minutes and uh, give give us that true Knott's Berry experience? Oh, oh, whoa, oh, ooh. whoa, oh, oh my oh. god what okay uh all right i'm gonna cut the show off now uh this stuff is gonna have to be uh not not uh, off the record (laughs) all right (laughs) happy new year everybody i'll see you everybody we'll we'll see hey we'll see you next year even though wait no this comes out 20 fuck never mind okay (laughs) all right bye bye that's embarrassing that's (laughs) weird